Hey, Faith Promise, how you guys doing this weekend? Great to see you. Woo, man. God is up to something. It is unbelievable in this series across all of our campuses. Uh, two weeks ago, we set a new attendance record. Last week, we shattered that record with over 6,000, and we'll break that again this weekend. So it's exciting. God is moving at every single campus. You may look wherever you're at. You could be way out in Campbell or Anderson or way out in Blunt or North Knoxville or around the world on the internet, on an internet campus or at Palisippi, and you may be watching what's going on at your campus and think, well, that's great, but if, if we could just see what's happening at the altars and in the services across Faith Promise Global, it is, it is truly amazing. People are being set free. People are being saved. Every service, it is just amazing. And so we are just glorifying God for all that he's doing. We recognize there's a war raging all around us. Amen. And without a revelation into and about that war from darkness against us, we will become collateral damage. That, that's, that, that's what happens if, if we don't have full revelation. Revelation. You know, the, we wonder, why do things happen? Well, if you've read any part of this Bible, because from Genesis to the Revelation, we are warned well, are well warned in, it warned in advance that there is going to be attack, an onslaught against us, aren't we? Haven't we? But, but we're surprised when that happens. And let me tell you why. Because most saints sadly choose to be willfully ignorant when it comes to spiritual warfare. And really many things that happened in the scripture. So I'm going to just, look, we're, we're going to, last weekend, man, shattered some people and man, wrecked some people's style life. This weekend, going to mess you up even worse. And so you need to put your spiritual seatbelts on. We're going to just go ahead and dive right in quickly and uh, into a message that we've entitled Permission Granted. Permission Granted. I have two questions for you. The first question is this, will God ever grant permission for the devil to attack you? Oh, I heard no saying yes. That's good. And then number two, do you ever open the door for the devil to attack you? The reason we called it open house is because the enemy is always 24-7 looking for access in your home, in your heart, in your marriage, if you're married, if you have kids, in your kids, into your business, into your small group, in your quiet time, in any way. And so Jesus has a process for all of us. In John 8, 32, he, he shared it with us and told us what he was going to do. It said, so if the Son, this is our thesis, our theme verse, so if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. If the Son makes you, and that connotates there is a process involved. Would you all agree with that? So there's a process of deliverance and freedom. And so let me tell you, Dora, that almost all 6,500 of us this weekend have opened and opened from time to time. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. It is pride. And pride opens the door and gives the devil access. The problem is that when we are walking in pride, we are blinded by that pride. In fact, I know a lot of people, they are proud of their humility. <laughs> I'm thinking about writing a book, Humility and How I Obtained It by Dr. Chris Stevens. I mean, you know, so we, there's this whole man, rough thing that, you know, well, if, you know, I'm humble, then I feel good about being humble. So, man, this is a difficult deal. So I'm going to give you three, 
definitions of pride and three biblical examples of three men in the scripture who walked in pride and because of that they were opened up to and just an onslaught of the enemy. So are you ready? All right, ready. So number one, pride is trusting in your own strength. Would you all agree with that? Pride is trusting in your own, in your own strength. In, in Luke chapter 22, and we've talked about this before, verse 31 and 32, Jesus said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you once you have turned again, that you will strengthen your brothers. Satan has demanded permission, and he demanded or asked permission, and that means asked and received. So Satan received permission to sift Peter like wheat. And so, uh, you know, what's the deal? Why would would God give an open door to Peter, one of his dudes? Why would he do it? Why could Satan demand permission? And let me give you just a little spiritual speculation. I'll always tell you when it's word, and then I'll always tell you when it's spiritual speculation. So let me give you you a thought that I I believe from the Lord, but, but I believe this. Because Peter walked in pride, Peter had already opened the door. Peter opened the door. And so when Satan demanded permission, he was given access. Why? Because Peter had already opened the front door and allowed the enemy to come in. Why would you say that about Peter? Because I'm going to give you some verses. I'm going to roll a lot of of scripture this weekend. Because Peter trusted in his own strength. And we've already said definition of pride, trusting in your own strength. Is that right? So in Mark 14, 27, and Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. But Peter said, even though who? Everybody else. Listen, big daddy, I'm the man. You, you can, hey, you can count on me. All these other wusses, they're going to run like women. Not me. Not me, baby. No sorry. What was Peter trusting in? His own strength. All may fall away. Everybody. Not yet. I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you that this very night before a rooster crows thrice, <laughs> you will deny that it, you'll deny three times. You'll deny that you even know me. But Peter kept saying insistently, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Now, what was Peter trusting? And so when you trust in your own strength, you've opened the door. And man, it, it is, it is. Now, now Jesus, who, how many did Jesus say were going to fall away from it? Now, what part of all did Peter miss? Did any word of Jesus ever fail? So when, when Jesus said, you're all going to fall, Peter's saying, okay, look, you got this all wrong, Lord. Not me. These other guys are going to fall, not me. Peter trusts in his, in, in his own strength. In, in uh, Matthew 16, 21, we see it from, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. <laughs> but Pete, Petey boy, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, you got to feel pretty cocky to rebuke Jesus. You got to feel pretty good about yourself to call down the Son of the Most High God. Would y'all agree with that? 
And Peter began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. Listen, you can't say no and Lord in the same sentence. This shall never happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, get behind me who? Now, who's Jesus looking at? He's looking at Peter. Who's he talking to? Satan. He's talking to who? Satan looking at who? Peter. Ooh. Ooh. Does that mess your theology up? I hope so. <laughs> you are a stumbling block to me, for you have set, you're not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. <laughs> Come on. Listen, Jesus called Peter several things. I believe Peter liked to be called Peter better than the devil. I mean, if he's going to pick a name for himself, I think he's going to go with Petey Boy rather than he's going to go with Satan. Would you all agree with that? I mean, again, we see in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter's ready to take on 100 men, one on 100 with one sword. He felt confident about himself. In Mark 14, though, look, look, look what happens to him. As Peter below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest, a little teenage waitress, Peter was, uh, came and seen Peter warming himself. She looked at him and said, you were with him, Jesus the Nazarene. But he denied it. Once, who knows? Saying, I neither know nor understand I know nor understand what you're talking about. And he went on to the porch. The servant girl saw him and began uh, once more to say to the bystanders, This is one of them. Hey, he's one of them. And again he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders were again saying to Peter, Hey, surely you're one of them, for you're Galilean too. But Peter began to curse. There's a good believer for you, isn't it? That's just Cussing away. I love to go play golf and get paired with other people. Because if you go as a single or a double, then, you know, they like you to play in a foursome. And I went the other day and a couple guys. And, and so, you know, it usually doesn't happen until about the 10th hole after they've cussed all the way through holes one through nine. <laughs> that they'll say, and Chris, what do you do? And I say, well, I pastor Faith Promise Church. <laughs> Deliverance, the frogs come out of their mouth, flies. And I say, I'm a Christian. I'm sorry. I usually don't talk like that. I said, you're, now you're going to cuss and lie. Dang. So he, began, so he began to curse and swear, I do not know the man that you're talking about. What does Peter do? Man, he denies him. Listen, that's, out of, that's really out of character with Peter's normal M.O., but what happened? Because of his pride, he'd opened up the door for the enemy. His strength failed, and when your strength failed, if that's what you're trusting in, you're going to fail also. Does that make sense? And so we, we've all seen it, sadly. I, listen, I've, I've watched a lot of seasoned saints fall due to pride. I mean, I've, I've gone to visit people after they've fallen out of church and catch them or go have coffee or go knock on their door and sit down on the seat and say, I never thought I could be taken out of the fight. I never thought I could be taken out of the fray. Well, that's why you were, because you were trusting in your own strength. See, it's easy to grow confident in your strength when you're walking in God's strength. So you're walking in God's strength, and he is enabling you to, to walk and overcome. And so you're walking, and you're growing, and you're, you're learning, and you're overcoming. And then without realizing it, you begin to think you did it. 
And in that thinking you did it, then pride, pride elevates. Why? Because we're trusting in our own strength. Does that make sense? That could have been David's deal, why he fell. See, it's just open house. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, Therefore, I am well content with what? See, we want to be content in strength. Paul said, I'm content in weaknesses, with insults, with distress, with persecutions. Those are all fine with me. With difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, we usually misquote that and say, he is strong. No. What the verse says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Because when I am weak, I am depending on his strength, not my strength. Does that make sense? And so that's the deal. About once a week, I go play golf with my son, Mike. And Mike is very good, and I'm very bad. So we created a handicap. So I get to play from the senior adult tees. He plays from the tips. And I get a stroke a hole. So I get about an 800-yard advantage in 18 strokes. I've won once. But... And let me tell you why I never win, because we're running neck and neck, and we get to about the 16th or 17th hole, and, and man, I'll be up on a booby even, and then you know what I start doing? I start, I start smack talking. All right, boy, you just understand that old dad has put a whooping on your rear end today. You just need to know we got two more holes, and I'm going home with a trophy. Let me tell you, if you've ever seen a bad shot, it's the next one. Pew! Michael said, well, Dad, you're laying three on the tee box. What are you going to do now? I said, I'm going to lose and shut up. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> See what happens. When you, when you enter into trusting your own strength, permission is automatically granted to the devil. And you gave it. It may say that Satan demanded permission, but Peter had already opened the door. Does that make sense? Number two, if you're taking notes, let me give you the second definition of pride. Pride is trusting in your own righteousness. Your own righteousness. You say, I would never do that. Let's look at a great figure in the Bible, Job. Job chapter 1, verse 6 through 12. Now, that was, now again, there's some Old Testament stuff that'll mess you up. I'm going to give you a verse a minute. It's going to really mess you up. Now, that was it. Do we still believe all the Bible? Now, that was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came among them. So the devil is in heaven talking to God. Hmm. The Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Satan said. Uh, and Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. You think that might be where Peter got his verse? The devil rose, rose around like a roaring lion seeking who may devour. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there's none like him on the earth. And I'm proud of my boy. A blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. And Satan answered the Lord, does Job God fear you for nothing? Have you made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has and on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has and he surely will curse you to your face. And what does God say? And God says, behold, all that he has is in your power. Whose power? God gives everything that he has protected for Job power over the enemy to attack. Only do not put forth your hand on him. 
Now, why in the world would God give why in the world would God lower the hedge? Why in the world would God give the devil permission? Why in the world would this deal happen? But if you've ever read the book of Job, have y'all read the book of Job? If you're on the Bible reading plan for the year, and I hope you are, because I'm praying every day for your quiet time as you read it, but we're going to get to Job soon. We're almost there. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're cooking. We're, all, you know, we're about to finish Nehemiah, and we're, you know, so we're rolling. But if you read the book of Job as you read it, let me tell you what Job's going to spend the whole book doing, defending himself. The whole book, he's going to defend his righteousness. Now, remember, pride is trusting your own righteousness. And so the three comforters come, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And they spend the bulk of the book arguing with Job that Job's a heathen, and they tend Job's arguing that he's not. And, and, and all this is going on. And that finally, the three comforters finally say, okay, we can't say anything else. And there's been a young adult, I don't know, 19, 20, 25, a young guy. And because he was a young guy in that culture, he'd not spoken for a week. He listened to this debate between Job, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And then Elihu, the young adult, stands up and says, you guys don't get it. See, Elihu was listening to what Job was saying. So in Job chapter 32, 1 and 2, this is what it says. Then these three men ceased answering Job because he was righteous. How? See, what's pride? Trusting in your own righteousness. They quit arguing with Job because there was no hope with Job because Job was righteous in his own eyes. Goes on. But the anger of Elihu, the son of Baraki dude, the, the Buzite, said, <laughs> so man, I studied Hebrew and I still can't do them. So I just sort of do tongues when I get there. <laughs> One of the family of Ram burned. He's angry. Against Job and his anger burned because he because why? He justified himself before God. He was justifying himself before God. Elihu said, Surely you have spoken in my hearing, and I have heard the sound of your words. I am pure without transgression. He's he's repeating, Job, I'm pure without transgression. I'm innocent and there is no guilt in me. I will fetch my knowledge from afar. And I will scribe righteousness to my maker. See, you know, this is what's going on. I mean, he's, he's walking through. See, let me ask you a question. Did Job believe he was, his righteousness came from his living, his lifestyle? Actually, yes. If you look at Job, he say, I have, man, I go to, I, man, I'm, I'm, I give my tithes. I do my deal. I have sacrifices, not for myself or my kids, just in case they've sinned. You know, so, right, so Job began to believe he was righteous because of his living. See, righteousness means right standing with God. And right standing with God, church, never comes from your lifestyle. Never. Right standing from God comes from God, not from you. Are y'all with me? But Job said, you guys don't understand, I've lived good enough. I've lived righteously. I've done the right thing. I've done, let, matter of fact, Job said, I wish there was an umpire between me and God because I've been cheated by God. Now, can you ever live good enough? No. See, to believe in your own righteousness is nothing but P-R-I-A-D-E. And when you move into trusting your life and how well you're doing it and your faithful attendance and you're serving and you're giving, then you have done permission granted. And it's open access. John 8, 32. You shall know what? The truth. 
and the truth shall set you free. See, listen, never trust in your lifestyle. Always trust in what Jesus did on the cross. Always trust in the substitutionary atonement. Always trust in his sacrificial death and his resurrection. Man, listen, I'm going to heaven and I'm getting in, not because I'm a preacher, not because I've served God. I'm going because of what Jesus did for me and all my faith is in him and him alone. Not my life, not my goodness. But let me tell you how we get there. Because we all, at some time or another, have spent a little time in the cult of comparison. See, we compare ourselves to others. And we rarely compare ourselves to people ahead of us. We look at people behind us. Well, look at those heathen. Man, they never come to church. I'm here every weekend, man. They, never, they sit in the back. They're probably going to hell. I'm up front. Man, I'm singing, I serve, what about, I mean, and so what we do is we begin to compare ourselves to other people, and we begin to feel good about our lifestyle, but let me tell you, there's only one person to compare your life to, and that is Jesus, and you will always come up short. Does that make sense? So let's just, amen, come on. So let, let me just give you a few verses God steps in, check this out, this, I love this part of Job. Then the Lord answered, <laughs> I'd love to have a video on YouTube, wouldn't y'all? God answered Job out of the world when it said, who is, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? You know my translation? Job, you are stupid as a stick. <laughs> hey, what does he say? Words without count, counsel. Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. Can you imagine God saying that to you? It'd be over for me. Over. Over. I'd need some depends. <laughs> Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Man, I'm, I'm so... I, but no, no, God's not done. I love God. Tell me if you have an understanding. Who sets its measurement since you know? Or who stretched out the line in it talking about the earth? Who did it? Or what... Were its bases sunk? And who laid its cornerstone? The earth. Who did it? The universe. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning? Isn't that awesome? Have you ever said morning and it is? No, you get up when it is morning. And cause the dawn to know its place? Have you, have you, enthroned the, have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or have you seen the storehouse of the hail? Where is the way that the light, the light is divided, the east wind scattered on the earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds so that an abundance of waters will cover you? Can you send forth lightning that they may go and say to you, here we are? It is by your understanding that the hawk soars, stretching his wings toward the south. Is it at your command that the eagle mounts up and makes its nest on high? Will you really annul my judgment? Because he'd already said, I need an umpire because I'm right. I need an umpire between me and God. What will you, will you commend me that you may be justified? Holy, listen. Will you commend the God of heaven so that you may be justified? Because this whole thing started because Job was justified in his own eyes. And because Job was full of pride, because Job trusted in his lifestyle, pride opened the door. And listen, 
So did God open the door for the devil or did Job open the door for the devil? That's spiritual speculation. You can say God did because God gave, God gave the devil permission. But Job had already unlocked the lash and thrown it open and said, y'all come on in. Does that make sense? That's just, that's just what he did. The third definition of pride, are you, can you handle one more? Pride is, trust, pride is trusting in your own wisdom. Your own wisdom. Not God's, yours. And I want to bring an unlikely to last guy to expose this to us. An unlikely guy, a guy that we all love to hate in the Bible. His name was Ahab. Had a wicked wife named Jezebel. He was the king. You can go back to 1 Kings 22, and you can see him in Chronicles. We've read it. If you've been on the Bible reading plan, you you read it by him not long ago. But one thing that most people don't realize is Ahab was actually militarily one of the most successful kings in all the history of Israel. He gained as much, almost as much land as David and, and Solomon did. As far as kings, he was number three in all the history of Israel in gaining land and gaining, and gaining power. But what he did, though, is he surrounded himself with men who would tell him what he wanted to hear. Are you all with me? I mean, there's so many people who they ask people's opinion, but they only ask the opinion of people that will tell them what they want to hear. You know what I'm talking about? And so that is trusting in your own wisdom. So in in 1 Kings 22, 7 and 8, but Jehoshaphat said, now, let me set it up. Ahab is called Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a good king of Judah, and and Ahab was king of Israel. And, and Ahab had a nasty problem with some people outside. And so Ahab invited Jehoshaphat over, and they're sitting in their, you know, they're sitting on their thrones. And, and Ahab says, hey, I need you to help me, man. We got to go wipe this nation out. And so, but Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat is a, is a godly man, and he's watching all these prophets tell Ahab what Ahab wanted to hear. You know what? People go to churches that will tell them what they want to hear. It's one thing about faith promise. We're never going to tell you what you want to hear unless you want to hear the word. This is what we're going to do. So the godly king recognized these guys are idiots. Is there not yet a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? But the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. Why? Why? Because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. He is Micaiah, the son of Imlah. He said, I don't want to hear what he has to say from God because he never says anything good to me. Of course not, because God was going to kill Ahab. Because of Ahab's sin and leading Israel into sin. God had already, God had already said, I'm taking you out. The prophets had already said it. But Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat said, hey, don't let the king say so. I'll call him. So he sends for Micah, and Micah comes. And in verses 15, when, the king came, when he came to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall we refrain? And he answered and said, go up and succeed, and the Lord will give you the hand of the king. Go ahead. Do it. Go ahead. Go ahead. If you're from the north. Go ahead. And the king said to him, how many times must I adjure you by the living to speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? So now what does, what does the prophet do? He said, yeah, go do whatever you want to. Man, you're going to win. Why would the prophet tell King Ahab that? Because King Ahab wasn't going to listen anyway. The Bible calls it casting your pearls before the swine. 
because they're not going to listen. They're not going to do it. They're, not, they're, they're just not going to. And so, and so remember, he surrounded himself by people that told him. So he said, speak to me the truth. So he said, so he said that the prophet speaking, I saw all of Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep, which have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each of them return to his home in peace. Now the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he would prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Didn't I tell you what he was going to do? Didn't I tell you? Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. This is what, this is what messed you up. And all the hosts of heaven surrounding him on his right and on his left. Now, by the way, remember, sheep are on the what? Right. And goats are on the what? Left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab to go up and fall at Ramoth Gideon? This, this messed my mind up until this message. God said, who's going to go lie to Ahab? Who's going to go entice Ahab to go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said while another, one said this while another said that. Then a spirit came before, came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. The Lord said to him, how? And he said, I will go out and be a deceiving spirit in the mouth of the prophets. Woo! And he said, you are to entice him and also prevail. Go and do so. First, there's a lying spirit in heaven. That'll mess you up. See, all of us see fat little naked angel babies in heaven and all this stuff going on. There's a war raging, and God allows access for his enemy to, the, to, to, to heaven. And so what's the deal? Why? See, again, the, the, the prophet just said, hey, go do what you want to. Now, why did the prophet do it? Because Ahab wasn't going to do what the prophet said. That's why the prophet did that. Does that make sense? And so, and so, the prophet, and so there's a lying spirit in heaven. What, what, and so what, what, is, what is the lying spirit told to do? The lying spirit is told, hey, go ahead. Go ahead, man, do the deal. It's good. Just, just rock and roll. Man, get, go ahead and, and take care of business and entice Ahab to do the wrong thing. I, I don't know about you. But, man, I don't ever want to be in that situation. See, Ahab's pride opened the door when you trust your own strength. James chapter 3, verse 14 and 15 says this. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant so as to lie against the truth. This wisdom is not the wisdom which comes down from above. It is earthly, natural, and what? Many of us listen to demonic wisdom. Demonic wisdom. When you trust your wisdom over the word of God, the counsel of God, you have entered into a level of pride. Can, can we all agree on that? That means permission granted to the devil. And a verse that we always misquote, Proverbs 16, 18, we misquote. See, we always say pride goes before the fall, but you know what it says? Pride goes before what? Peter fell. Job fell. And Ahab fell. Two of them repented of their pride and rose back up. And one of them was killed. See, because Ahab goes on to Ramoth Gilead and he tells Jehoshaphat, hey, you wear your king's clothes and I'm going to wear normal clothes because they're going to try to kill me. And he said, okay, that's fine. And so they came after Jehoshaphat. He put in beef for boogie and took off running. And the Bible says in verse 22, chapter 22, 34, that an archer of Ramoth Gilead launched an arrow at random and pierced the armor of the king and he bled out in his chariot. 
When you have entered the door of pride, you have opened the you have you have opened yourself up for destruction. So what do we do? We do what Peter did. We repent. We do what Job did. Can you imagine being in Job still? He said, Lord, I'm not saying I'm not even gonna think anything. <laughs> I'm not saying a thing. I'm done. I'm, I'm I am so sorry. Peter wept bitterly and repented and came back. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do?